Welcome to the For the Gospel podcast. My name is Kosti Hinn, and I am your host for this episode. Uh, reminder, For the Gospel is all about providing sound doctrine for everyday people, and we are on the back half of a two-part episode with Micah Wilder talking about his salvation from being a very zealous Mormon missionary to now being a faithful Christian minister. Micah Wilder, welcome back to the For the Gospel podcast. Thank you, Kosti. Awesome. Well, we picked it up I want to pick it up in this episode, right where we left off. You had your grace awakening conversion moment, Pastor Benson so kindly and warmly engaging you, your wrestling match with the scriptures, and yet God's word doing its mighty work in your life. You have your eyes opened. You believe now the Mormon religion and the system you are part of is false and that the gospel is true, the Bible is true, and the God of the Bible is true. And of course, now it's not going to be just some easy road for you. It's very much like Saul of Tarsus, the zeal. Uh, He was a Hebrew of Hebrews. He was so passionate about the law. And then when Jesus saved him, it transformed his life and sent him into a whole new trajectory of ministry and of life and, of course, of suffering. I want you to pick it up now and take us into the aftermath of what happened after. And then I want to talk a little bit about some of the tenets of Mormonism and you lovingly debunking those with the true gospel and God's word. And then I want to finish this episode talking about how Christians could better engage and be winsome and gracious and yet clear on truth with Mormons for the glory of God and really the good of the Mormon souls that they'll engage with the gospel. But take us into the aftermath after your conversion from being a Mormon missionary. Yeah, so I had undergone this miraculous experience of becoming born again while uh, on my mission, I only about three weeks left of this two-year commitment. And so I found myself in a very unique predicament of of uncertainty of, of what do I do? I mean, I wasn't really aware of the change as it was happening until it got to the point where it was too late. And I didn't, so I, it's not like people knew exactly what was going on with me. I didn't really know <laughs> until I got to that point and had that awakening. And so I, I was terrified of, of what I was going to do and how I was going to come forward to my missionary peers, to my leadership, to my parents. Um, and so, you know, God is, I, I think he's so deliberate in, in answering our prayers, but sometimes it's not the, answers that we expect or want, right? So I'm praying to God saying, what do I do? What do I do? And two days after I had this born again experience, it was actually a tradition that in the Mormon mission system, when you're about to conclude this two-year mission trip, you're supposed to stand publicly in front of your missionary peers and your leaders, and you're supposed to share a testimony of what you have learned throughout the course of your mission. Now, this is kind of reserved (laughs) for the missionaries that are at the very end of their mission, right? So I only had three weeks left. I was one of these missionaries. And so I'm supposed to stand in front of 40, 50 missionaries, my, my Mormon mission president, and tell them what I had learned on my mission. Well, oh, obviously, the, the, this exercise is supposed to be that you get up and you share that your faith in the church has been strengthened, right? But um, I had had the opposite experience. I mean, I had lost my faith in the church. I had lost my faith in the core tenets of this religion. And God had rebuilt my life on a new, solid, unshakable testimony built on the rock of Christ. And so 
I remember getting ready for this moment of going up and sharing this testimony. And I still didn't know what I was going to say. I didn't know what words were going to come out of my mouth, but, um, but God's grace is, is enough and it's sufficient. And, uh, and I got up there and I, I trusted that he would provide the words for me. And I stood in front of my missionary peers and I just gave a very simple heartfelt testimony. And I said, the one thing that I have learned is that Jesus is all that I need. <laughs> that that's the, the, the most important thing that I've learned on this journey is that I have everything that I need in Christ. And I now have the assurance of knowing that he died for my sins. And I don't have to have that uncertainty anymore as to whether or not I've done enough to appease God. I've now recognized that, that Christ is the ransom for my sins. And I now know that if I died, I would go to heaven. And so a very unusual testimony for a Latter-day Saint missionary. And uh, I didn't know what was going to happen as a result of that testimony, but I figured there, there were going to be repercussions. And, uh, and I was right. Two days later, I got a phone call and it was my Mormon leader, my mission wow. president. And he said, Elder Wilder, we need to have a talk. <laughs> and so I knew in that moment, okay, my life is never going to be the same if I am forthright about the change that has taken place in my life. And, and I'll, be, I'll be honest with you, Costi, I really struggled what to do. I, I very much considered, well, if I just placate them by telling them what they want to hear, if I just, you know, share my testimony to the Mormon church and just kind of ignore this whole thing, I'll, you know, slip through my mission the last three weeks and I can go home and deal with it with, you know, maybe less repercussions. Mm -hmm. um, I really considered all those things. I considered the cost that weighed before me. Um, I don't know if I mentioned this earlier, but my mother at the time was a tenured professor at Brigham Young University, BYU. You uh, did not I, mention that. That's a huge point. Yeah. So, so wow. she was a, a world-renowned professor at BYU, which is a private Mormon school. Uh, my father was a high priest in the church and I was a student at BYU. And so, I mean, this... Being a Latter-day Saint, being a Mormon affected every facet of my life. I think that's maybe something that a lot of people can't grasp. But culturally, right, this was everything. This was my friends, my, my family, my community, my relationships, my reputation, even my career path, my education, right? All of that was tied into my identity as a Mormon. And so I didn't want to give that up. Um, and I was afraid of losing that. And I remember sitting at my desk that morning and I was reading the scriptures and, and, and God's grace is just so awesome. And I remember reading the gospel of Matthew, Jesus' exhortation. He says, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me and lose your life so that you can find it. Because what does it profit a man to gain the whole world, but to lose his soul? And the impact that that made on my life and the realization that, you know, God had saved me by his grace alone. And I, and there's no works that I could do to contribute to that. But now God was beckoning me, come after me, right? Take up your cross and follow Jesus to the point, even if it is losing your own life. And the amazing thing about this call to discipleship, and this is what every Christian needs to understand that whatever we're called to lose, whatever we're called to give up, whatever we're called to sacrifice or walk away from for the sake of the gospel, that those things will always pale in comparison to the surpassing worth of what we have in Jesus. So all of a sudden, when you know the sufficiency of Christ, when you know what he offers you, you realize that he becomes your everything, right? He becomes your all in all. You don't need anything else outside of what Jesus alone gives you. 
And that was the hope, right? That was the, the, the grace that God poured into my life was, Micah, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter how your family responds. It doesn't matter how your life changes because you have Jesus. Therefore, you have everything that you will ever need. And I remember my, my favorite scripture on my, on my Mormon mission was John six thirty five, where Jesus says, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. That is the summation of the gospel, right? That's the summation of what Christ did for us and what he offers us is that he gives us something that nothing and no one else ever can. There is no amount of money or wealth or fame or, or there's even no marriage or, or child or friend that can ever satisfy us eternally in the way that Christ and the gospel can. And so that is where we place our hope. And so God just gave me that strength. And I went to my Mormon leader and I said, look, I've been reading the Bible and I've come to realize that Jesus is all that I need, that Jesus alone is enough, that I don't need this earthly institution to stand between me and God. And I don't need the Mormon prophet anymore, which is kind of a bold thing to say. Um, I said, I, I only need Jesus. And, and I remember quoting 1 Timothy 2, 5, that there is one God and one mediator between God and men. And that is the man, Christ Jesus, wow. who offered himself as a ransom for all, because that was my testimony. It wasn't that I was trying to be rebellious. It wasn't that I was trying to buck my authority. It's simply that I wanted to witness of what I had come to know through the word of God and, and, and testify of the gospel of the grace of God. And so naturally, um, this ended up causing me to uh, get sent home early from my two-year mission trip. Uh, I was told that I was filled with the spirit of the devil, that I was an wow. antichrist, um, that I was being deceived, right? And I was on the path to outer darkness uh, if I didn't repent, you know, and, and reform my testimony in the church. So at that point, um, I knew that I was never going to live out the life that I had always planned. And I knew that I wasn't going to have the relationships that I had always had, but I also knew that I had something that I never had before. And that was Christ. And so I got on a plane and I went back to Utah. Now the first miracle that God did in my life was my high school Mormon girlfriend. We were high school sweethearts. We used to zealously go to the Mormon temple together, right? So we were very spiritual um, in our dedication to Mormonism together when I went on my mission, she was at BYU studying. And so as I was undergoing this process through transformation by the word of God, I was sharing with her the things that I was learning through handwritten letters. And uh, I encouraged her to read the word of God. And she actually began that process while she was a student at BYU. And she was born again oh, while wow. she was at BYU, almost awesome. simultaneously with me, yet we were 2000 miles apart and totally independent of each other. And so she came to a saving faith in Christ and uh, that's the first amazing fruit and evidence that the word of God does not return void. Wow. And so when I got back to Utah, I had to face my, my BYU professor mom, my high priest dad, my returned missionary brothers, my sister, and tell them why I was forsaking the religion that I had dedicated my entire life to. And as a young believer, I, I, I don't know how well I could articulate things, but I knew two things for certain. Number one, that the word of God had changed my life. And so I gave them that challenge, read the word of God like a child, right? Remove your preconceived notions about what you've been taught through the church and, and just allow God through his word to reveal truth to you. And the second thing that I knew with certainty was that Jesus was all sufficient. 
and that he was all supreme. And, and I, and I, think I gave them the challenge that if you read the word of God, you will come to know that Jesus is enough. And so I gave that challenge to my parents, to my siblings, and God began to, to miraculously by his grace work in their lives. Um, my older brother at the time was actually a senior at Brigham Young University, and uh, he began to read the New Testament and he came to Saving Faith. My younger sister also came to Saving Faith really just within a few months, uh, which God had obviously prepared their hearts. Um, wow. Now, my parents, of course, they had so much more at stake, right? I mean, this was my mother's job, her tenureship, right? Her, her, her financial security, my father, his business, his clientele. I mean, all of these things were rooted in their faithfulness to the church. Um, and so I think that more than anything, my parents were curious as to why their prized Mormon son was willing to lose this life for this Jesus that I had discovered through the word of God. And so they began to dive into the word of God as well. For my mom, um, she actually ended up writing a book called Unveiling Grace, but she talks about how impactful the gospel of John was that right from the onset, John 1, 1, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. And even in that one phrase, there was a contradicting statement to what she believed as a Latter-day Saint. And throughout the rest of reading the word of God, um, she was washed by the water of his word. She came to saving faith. My father came to saving faith. They were both born again. And to this day, we all walk as disciples of Jesus. My mother wrote a book, as I mentioned, called Unveiling Grace, chronicling her testimony. Uh, they've been all over the world uh, sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ. And um, it's just, it, it's, it's the evidence that, you know, when Paul says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel, mm. that, that statement was, I will die for the gospel, Amen. right? I, I, will, I will be beaten for the gospel. I will be cast out for the gospel. I will be stoned for the gospel. I will lose whatever it takes in this world to lose because the gospel is worth preaching, right? Yeah. Woe to me, he said, if I do not preach the gospel. So when he says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel, why? Because it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and then the Greek. I, I experienced that. My family experienced that, the power of the gospel message and how significant it is when one Baptist minister saw a Mormon missionary and he said, I love you enough to share truth with you, right? I ask myself that. You ask yourself that. Everybody listening, how much do I love somebody to share truth with them? Come and on. if I don't share truth with them, then do I really love them? And what is the greatest love that we can show as Christians? It's the proclamation of Christ. It is the revelation of Jesus as God's love manifests to the world. And I'm grateful to God for, for his 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 hesed towards me, that this, this steadfast loving kindness that he put people in my life that would plant these seeds and other people who would water. But I know in the end, God and God alone did the growth all to his glory. Amazing. Absolutely powerful. I am just blown away every time I hear about your story and your family. And it is so hilarious to me in a, in a, in a God glorifying way that he would save them all. It, yeah. It's just so the Lord that every single one of them transformed in that way. Talk to us about the fallout and some of the hardships that would follow. I would imagine you guys are slandered. You are marked as suppressive persons who are dangerous and are, you know, preaching the the doctrine of demons and you're polluting Mormons or you're, you know, marked people. 
uh, give us a brief snapshot of what that looks like for your mom leaving BYU, your dad, you, your family, your siblings, um, your wife, your children beyond. Yeah. And I think I omitted the fact that my girlfriend and I, Alicia, she, we ended up getting married. Yeah, uh, that's your wife now, right? My wife your three now. boys. Yeah. yeah. And it was tough, even relationally, you know, her family is still all steeped in the, the Mormon church. Um, you know, it was, it, it was challenging at first because one of the things I prided myself on was the way that people perceived me, right? That's just naturally, I, I was one of those guys that I felt like I got along with everybody. Everybody respected me. I, I lived out the tenets of Mormonism better than anybody. And I had that uh, reputation and, and respect of my community. And, and for that, in a moment to just be gone, right? That all the people that, that knew and loved me and respected me, I was now labeled as a heretic, right? As an apostate, as somebody who had, you know, forsaken the truth, forsaken the testimony. Um, and that was challenging. And I think not necessarily because I was personally hurt by it, but because I wanted an ear for them. Like I wanted to share the gospel with them, right? Like I wanted them to know what I know, right? Isn't that our desire as Christians, right? We, we want to take that pearl of great price. We, we pay everything to buy that field to take it. And then we're, we want other people to have what we have. Amen. And that was my heart in the gospel. And it was hard to lose that audience, to lose that respect, to lose those people. Um, but one thing I've learned over the years of ministry, you know, God, God's in control, right? God's sovereign. So, you know, people that once hated me and slandered me are people that now have come to faith in Jesus, right? So it's like, I, I don't I don't worry about it because I know that God is working in their hearts and in their lives in his timing and in his way, right? Because at that time of my life as a zealous Mormon missionary, I was that person, right? I was the person that was mocking and slandering people who had left the church. I was calling them fools, saying they never really believed it, right? Saying that they didn't have a true testimony, that they were, you know, on their way to outer darkness. So that was me. And yet God still rescued and saved me. And so again, it's amazing to see people all over this world that are willing to endure all kinds of persecution for the gospel of Jesus. You know, what we endure in America is, is, is very limited uh, to say the least, you know, culturally and other things. But I've been encouraged by the fact that, that, that people all over the world are willing to die for their faith. And I want to, I want to have faith like that, right? I want to have that faith that says, no matter the cost, the gospel goes forward, even if it means people hating me, even if it means, um, you know, losing the things that I know and love that for the gospel, it's worth it. Let's go. Amen. You get me all fired up. I I want to ask you some questions here, if you're willing to give our audience a, a, some takeaways besides the story, which is powerful. And of course, you have laced this thing with scripture, part one, this one, part two. Um, I'm awestricken at God's grace and his mercy every day, even hearing it uh, happening in your life and your family life and then beyond with the people who once slandered you getting saved. Could you take us through you know, you could pick two or three, maybe four or five, whatever makes sense for you, but brief sort of portable snapshots for people of the major tenets of Mormonism that you could debunk just by reading scripture. And of course, only God can open our eyes. But for our audience, what are some key things that if you were dialoguing with a Mormon, you would want our audience to be equipped by so they can go at least straight for the uh, Pastor Benson Micah moment that you had where he's able to listen to you, but then engage you on some things with clarity. Yeah. 
So I think the first thing that, that is so important that is taught in Mormonism is the nature of God, right? And that, that's right from the onset where we can have a distinct difference in the very God and Jesus that we are claiming to serve, right? So in Mormon theology, God is not eternal, that he was not from everlasting to everlasting. And so you have this God that was actually a man who progressed to Godhood. He was exalted to Godhood through his obedience and faithfulness to these eternal laws of Mormonism. So right there, you can go right to Isaiah 42 and 43, and that's all you need to to know and understand the nature of God. There's one God, there's no other God beside me. And yet they believe that God, the Father, is not only the only God, but there are many gods and that we ourselves can be become gods, right, through this process of what they call eternal progression. And so along with that, they then believe that Jesus himself, again, not part of the eternal triune nature of God, that Jesus actually was a created being, right, that he was spiritually birthed before the foundation of the world, as were all of us. And therefore, he is not God himself either. And so right there, is is an important point when you're engaging with Latter-day Saints. It is it is critical to their theology. And as Christians, we go right to the word of God and we can show that the eternal nature of God. The second thing, um, and, and I touched on this quite a bit in my testimony, but there are ordinances and works and laws and commandments that we must do in order to attain the best that God has to offer. And what I mean by that is that they, they believe in multiple layers or levels of heaven. And in order to have eternal life in the highest level of heaven, the presence of God, there are certain works that an individual must do in addition to faith in Jesus Christ. Now, right there, we have a completely contradictory gospel right mm-hmm. from the gospel that is proclaimed in the New Testament That's and right. throughout all of scripture. In fact, in the Book of Mormon, uh, it says that we are saved by grace after all we can all do, we can do. Yeah. right? So, so all of a sudden, the grace of God is no longer unmerited favor. It's simply something that's given to us based on our faithfulness. And so there's all these things in Mormon theology that, that an individual must do. They have to be water baptized by somebody of the proper authority, receive the gift of the Holy Ghost by someone of the proper authority, join the Mormon church. They have to pay tithing. They have to stay active in their uh, church duties. They have to uh, follow certain moral codes, the commandments. They have to go to the temple, perform ordinances, get married, right? And there's this list. And then the last one is endure to the end. So it's not just doing them once. It's being faithful to them throughout the rest of their lives, and then they can have eternal life. Well, we know that that is not the gospel taught in the New Testament, in the Bible. And of course, we can go through all the scriptures, Ephesians 2, 8, 9, um, you know, Titus chapter 3, Galatians uh, 3, I mean, you know, on and on and on and on, and um, and proclaim the saving gospel that was real, revealed once for all to the saints. So my encouragement too, if, if you're listening to this and you're wanting to know how to better engage with or have a dialogue, understand what the Bible says about how we are made right with God, right? How is mankind reconciled to God? That, that's something that you need to know as a Christian and be able to articulate and to know where it says that in the word of God. And then you can go and you can contrast that with what you know, the Mormons teach about how they are reconciled to God and then share the gospel that way. The other thing, again, I touched on this in my testimony is they believe that there are 
uh, elements of the old law that are essential to their right standing with God, most notably the temple, right? Mm. So they have this physical edifice that they believe contains the presence of God. And not only that, but eternal ordinances that an individual must perform uh, for themselves in order to attain the highest level of heaven. And we, of course, we know that those were fulfilled through the finished work of Christ on the cross. Again, uh, Hebrews 7 through 10, uh, great chapters to know, to understand, to be able to dissect. And actually there's a whole section in my book where I have that, that reality. And I go through all the different verses within those four chapters that really open my eyes to, to that reality. Awesome. Those are so helpful. I have another one. Um, maybe you can get into a little bit, but if somebody, is it helpful if somebody were to go after in a conversation, the uh, inerrancy, authority, sufficiency of scripture, as it pertains to um, the the Book of Mormon. And here's what I mean by that. Is it helpful if a Christian were to say, well, the Bible teaches that, uh, you know, in, an, in itself, it is inerrant. It is authoritative. It is sufficient. And you have another testament. And Paul says, you know, in, in Galatians, that if any man is teaching another gospel, and, you know, literally you have another testament in your hand, you know, would that be helpful or hurtful because the Mormon is not yet open to some other aspect or other angle here. Do you understand what I'm asking? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think it depends on the situation and the person, um, but also uh, that's a really good question. I I think it can definitely be helpful, but, but the way that I would approach it is probably to rather than using the Bible to say, we don't need the book of Mormon rather use the book of Mormon contrasted with the Bible to show that they are not proclaiming the same gospel, if that makes sense. So rather than me saying this is wrong because we have everything in the Bible say, let me test that with the Bible, right? First John chapter four, verse one, right? Test the spirits to see whether they are from God for Mm -hmm. many false prophets have gone out into the world, right? So we have the, the written word of God by which we can test all things. We can test the spirits. I can test the book of Mormon. I can test the Mormon prophets, right? And all these other things. And so I think that's a great approach is to say, I'm not going to discount what you believe, but let's see how that lines up with what is, is revealed in scripture. And then we can, you know, figure out what is the word of God and what isn't because there are directly contradictory things in the book of Mormon as the Bible, as well as other Mormon scriptures and things that some of the Mormon leaders and, and prophets have taught over the years. That is so helpful. I'll hear sometimes from time to time from people who will say, yeah, you just got to go after that this way, that way, this way. And I always wonder because I've engaged with Mormons before. And one of the most common responses I'll hear from them, if you bring up the um, the Bible and the Book of Mormon is, you know, I've heard them say it before. Well, we're not discounting the Bible at all. We have both. Right. And so you are helping so many people, I think, realize that there's a deeper layer they can go to in order to engage thoughtfully and uh, intellectually and properly uh, in order to have less defenses and more engagement. Well, okay, last place I want to go, and there's just so much more we could talk about. We'll have to have you back again. We'll do this all the time. This is so fun. Uh, Micah, basically, the way that Pastor Benson was so loving was a stark contrast to the guns that were pulled on you, the way Christians engaged you, uh, the way people just called you a heretic and said you're heading for hell, get out of here, all of that. Um, 
perhaps an over-application of places in the New Testament where Christians are told not to be hospitable or welcoming or uh, real tolerant of false teachers. And so, of course, they'll view you that way and they slam the door. Mm -hmm. But talk to us about the importance of Christians not ever wavering on the true gospel, not dumbing things down or watering things down, but having a heart of love and a zealous drive to win the soul of a Mormon, not just dominate and win arguments and not just write them off as some false teacher. When you got 19-year-olds that would probably be engaged um, and, and don't really see themselves as false teachers and don't even know what, what you're talking about really, the importance of the Pastor Benson approach for us as we seek to save, if you will, Mormons, of course, the Lord doing that, but you get what I mean by that. Yeah. Uh, that's such an important topic. And, and I want to say, Costi, one thing that has always impressed me about what God is doing through your ministry and you personally is that your approach has always been so centered in, in love and grace. And that's very evident in the way that you uh, engage with non-believers. And I appreciate that. And, and that's our heart for ministry as well in Adam's Road, because listen, it's so easy for us to lose sight of the reason why we're sharing truth. <laughs> the, the reason why we share the gospel is so that other people can have right relationship with God as we have right relationship with God. Right. And so if, if love is not our motivator, then all of a sudden we're just a clanging symbol, right? As Paul said in first Corinthians 13. And so we have to have this heart and this understanding and this compassion to reach the lost in the same way that Christ said, I'm going to go to the cross and I'm going to endure the, the, the most violent and unspeakable death that the world will ever see because I want you to be right with God. That was his love. And then he says, love one another as I, has loved, as I have loved you. I mean, talk about setting the standard, right? That standard was Christ giving his life for us on the cross. And then he says, love other people in the way that I've loved you. Well, that love is, I am going to, it's, it's agape love, right? It's this selfless love that says, I will sacrifice everything for you to have the best, for you to have the love of God. So that's our, that's our heart as Christians is to see people like Mormon missionaries and to say, I so desperately want you to have the same salvation and love and life-changing truth that I have found through the word of God. And then to do everything that we can to share that with them. Now, doing so in, and we have to speak the truth in love, right? And we have to do so in gentleness and in kindness. And, and if we don't, then we're just, we're losing opportunities, you know, to, to plant seeds, but make no mistake. And I like that you made this distinction. Love has a certain connotation in our culture today. And I'm sure this is something you've addressed a lot, right? So, yeah. so love in, in America, love and in, in our culture, all of a sudden is not agape biblical love. So I'm not, I'm not confusing the two. So don't misconstrue that. Um, love does not come at the expense of truth, right? Love ultimately is truth. So if I, if I love someone, if I love a non-believer, the greatest love I can show them is to say, Jesus is the way to eternal life and Jesus alone and to point them to that hope and salvation that is found in him. And so it's not a compromise of truth, but it's the way in which we present that truth that can so often, you know, change how those seeds tend to fall. And so I, I appreciate Pastor Benson's approach. I appreciate that love. And it's kind of been, uh, you know, the impetus for, for the way that we have done ministry throughout all the, all of these years. Mm -hmm. And um, 
uh, one last point I just want to make. When I met with Pastor Benson, it was not a positive experience. So don't believe that just because you're sharing the truth and love that the person's going to smile and high five you when it's all done. <laughs> I'm sure, Costa, you can, you can share story after story of people who were not thrilled when they heard the gospel message, no matter how gentle, how kindly, how compassionately it was presented. Mm-hmm. The word of God is going to convict people. It is going to pierce people and that's okay, right? Let the word of God do the offending, but don't be the one that unnecessarily offends. And so when I got saved, I called Pastor Benson uh, two years after I had met with him and uh, I found him, he was in North Carolina at the time. And I said, Pastor Benson, my name's Micah Wilder. I was a Mormon missionary. I met in your office. This is what God has done in my life. Pastor Benson said something to me in that two-hour phone conversation that, that I've never forgotten. And he said, and he was crying and he's not, he's not an emotional man. He said, I walked away from that meeting feeling like I had failed. And he said, I felt, I felt like nothing I said to you made any impact on your life. And every time I think about that, I'm so encouraged because we so often gauge or judge our ministry experiences based on the response of the individual, right? I've shared the gospel with a lot of people and I can tell you that most of the time, it's not always a positive experience, especially with Mormons, especially with Mormon missionaries. And I've thought about what Pastor Benson said. I thought that nothing I said made any impact. Just remember church that we are planting seeds and we are watering seeds. God is the one who is going to give the growth. And so we can't be so concerned about how they're going to respond or what they're going to say or whether we think they've received it or not. The word of God does not return void. There is inherent power within God's word. And if we can plant that into somebody, even if they don't believe it, even if they're an atheist, even if they're a Muslim, even if they're whatever, it doesn't matter. It doesn't change the nature of God's word itself. And God can use that to ultimately bring it to fruition. Man, such a beautiful and timely truth. And I know one that will resonate deeply with our audience. It resonates with me. Uh, Micah, honestly, thank you for being on. I want to share a little bit about your ministry and give people some follow-up resources. First of all, uh, he has written a book called Passport to Heaven, the true story of a zealous Mormon missionary who discovers the Jesus he never knew. I'm holding the book in my hand. It is published by Harvest House. And um, I also want to give you some websites here to follow up. There's the Adam Ro- Adams Road Ministry, which is, uh, we actually had you guys at our church and you did a phenomenal job playing music, almost putting on uh, a concert, if you will, an event and people invited Mormons. They came, the place was packed out here and you, your parents and family uh, did such a wonderful job through song and testimony, declaring the true gospel. Uh, the website is www.adamsroadministry.com. com. I would encourage you if you're a church leader or you like us, you're in, here in Arizona, we are surrounded by uh, Mormons. It is an area very saturated with Mormonism. But if you've got people in your region and Mormons in your region, I would invite the Wilder crew out. 
Uh, also for the book and information on that, you can go to www.passporttoheavenbook.com or of course, go to Amazon. We're going to be giving away several copies on our Instagram page. So just follow there. Uh, but if you don't want to wait, as always with our guests and their books, I always tell you, you don't have to wait. Don't need to be patient over the hypothetical opportunity to win. Just go buy it and buy a box of them for your church and get these out to different places. Um, Micah, anything more that we should know in order to be further blessed by your ministry? Um, no, other than if you go to our website, uh, adamsroadministry.com, we actually have a page on there that's called Ministering to Mormons. And it's kind of all of our years of experience that we've put together on on the do's and don'ts of engaging and, and witnessing to Latter-day Saints. And the other thing I'll mention is that uh, when we got saved, our heart was music and we wanted to put the God put the word of God into music. And so we've actually had 10 full length studio albums and all of our music is free. So we, we don't charge for anything and go right to our website, download it all for free. And uh, I hope it's an encouragement uh, to you to where you can just listen to scripture uh, literally put into song and uh, just appreciate you Costi and, and your, your love and support and all that God is doing through your ministry as well. Thankful for you, brother. Keep up the great work and keep in touch. And I'll be sure to put links in the summaries of our podcast episodes with Micah. Uh, lastly, share this with people. Put it in front of them. Let them engage with the material. And let's see the Lord use episodes like these to reach the hearts of people for His glory and their good. Thank you all for being with us on the For the Gospel podcast and these two episodes for free video teachings. Go to our YouTube channel. And again, to give, check out articles and uh, know more about our ministry and our team and our mission at For the Gospel, go to www.forthegospel.org. We'll see you all on Instagram, TikTok, Facebook, and Twitter. And we will be back next Monday with another episode. Keep on living for the gospel.